on today's Patriot Nation podcast. It is bye week, and so we are handing out some mid-season awards. It's about nine games in, so we figured it was the perfect time to hand out some mid-season awards. We're also joined by Ben Solak from Bleeding Green Nation to preview the Patriots and Eagles game coming up next weekend. Obviously, the Patriots are on a bye this weekend, and so are the Eagles. And so we talk about next weekend's matchup, Patriots-Eagles. So it's a heck of a show. You don't want to miss it. It's another live show. Listen, if you're not subscribed already to our YouTube page, make sure you get onto YouTube and type in Pat's Pulpit and make sure you're subscribed there. We do have a live show every Wednesday night, so it's a good time, and you can get on the live chat. You'll see, uh, you'll hear at least, we answer some questions as we go back and forth. There is a little bit of a Q&A at the end as well. So make sure you get onto YouTube and subscribe to that Pat's Pulpit channel. Uh, uh, page as well. Okay. So it's a heck of a show. So buckle up and cue the music. Stack receivers, two to the right. Russell Wilson extends the hands. He has it. Wilson, quick throw. And it's And we are live. This is episode 50 of the Patriot Nation podcast. I am Pat Lane, as always, joined by my co-host Ryan Spagnoli. Spags, how you doing, brother? Doing good, man. Doing good. Um, I forgot how boring. I tweeted out yesterday. I forgot how boring bye weeks are. They're, they're <laughs> miserable. It's like it's the you worst. can't find anything to talk about. I know no. it's uh, it's good for the players, though. Ultimately, I mean, especially these guys. Yeah, uh, they're battling. I mean, they've rel- they've stayed relatively healthy for the most part of the year, but you know, you got Edelman battling an injury. Uh, I'm sure Brady's hurting a little bit. Oh yeah. Um, Shaq you know, Mason. but it's good. Yeah, Shaq Mason, you know, yeah. that whole old line, really, really. But uh, it's good It's good that, you know, they get it and we get a little break. <laughs> Not that there's been any stress, stressful football, but no, um, you know no. what I'm saying. <laughs> no, I know exactly. It's mean. coming, I think, so we got to gear up. I know. I, you know what? I like the I like the buy at the end of the year. You know, some guys have a buy like week four, week five, somewhere around there. Oh, but week 10 is like the perfect spot. It's I right kind of in the middle of the season. It's great, you know? They've had some week four buys, and mm-hmm. I think every year they've had that, they've either failed to reach the Super Bowl or they – I don't think they've won it with a week four buy. Um, I was looking they at have, it. I they think had last, a week four buy two years ago when they lost to the Eagles in the Super Bowl. Philly, it was like week four. Maybe it was like week – Four or six, but it's okay. good. And it's I mean, it's pointless to have a yeah. buy week, week four, realistically. Right. And I think, I mean, it's a – stupid you know discussion maybe a little bit off track but i think teams the way you finish should be able to pick their bye week you know obviously you don't want to have a bye week you know after week 14 or something that would be great um but right right here is perfect spot right in the middle of the year yeah i feel like the younger teams too sometimes need the earlier bye week because you can kind of readjust what's going on whereas the more veteran teams need that break as they get through the season you know yeah so no i agree well, I would I would say, listen, I think that it's a it's perfect that uh, today's episode is episode number fifty, because in training camp, Nikhil Harry wore number fifty, and of course, this is 
the first week that Nikhil Harry was eligible to play. It was on the active roster leading up into the game. And of course, as we all expected and hoped for, he was a healthy scratch. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. I mean, uh, I know if you listen to us talk radio, which I've been kind of staying away from this year, it's just so toxic, especially towards the Patriots, you'd think. You know, oh, yeah. Six, win su- six Super Bowls, been to, what, eight straight AFC championship games. Like, yep. the sky's falling at 8-1. and one. But yep. anyways, um, you know, they. I, I thought it was a little interesting when they talked about talked to Belichick and Brady um, about receiving and, and specifically Nikhil Harry. Uh, they weren't. You know, he didn't really give him any props, didn't really talk much about him. Belichick just said, yeah. you know, he wasn't ready. You know, there's 45 other players that were active, and Brady really didn't mention him. I thought that was a little interesting um, because it is, it is, you know, kind of – I thought – I mean, I understand, you know, that you get the bye week, so you can look at it both ways, right? Like, hey, get him in tonight. Get him a few reps. Um, right. They get the bye week. Or, you know, hey, here's what it's like to be active. Here's what it's like to go through the process of, a, of an NFL football game, prime time. Use this as an experience. You know, come travel with the team, and then we'll, we'll activate you after. But, um, you know, all signs last week leading up to the game, you thought he'd be healthy, I, I, uh, yeah. active. I didn't think he'd play much. Uh, you know, maybe anywhere between, you know, 10 to 20 snaps. But for him to be inactive, it was it was pretty questionable. It was surprising. You know, and, and you wonder, too, like, who do they have active that, you know, that they didn't normally have active now? Byron Cowart was active. He hasn't really been active all year. So I wonder if, you know, if they were worried about the run, you know, about that run offense of Baltimore and they thought it was more important to have more, you know, D linemen than they did they did wide receivers. Of course, that didn't really work out too well for them. Uh, but, you know, it's it's one of those things where you look at it and just kind of say, like, what the heck were they thinking, you know? And I will say that Belichick line might be one of my favorite lines of all time. You know, he's walking off and they're like, why wasn't Harry active? And he's like, well. I mean, there were 46 other guys active. That's why it was active. I was just like, that was, that's amazing. Just, and, like, and you know, ultimate Belichick thing, right there. The other thing too, they went no huddle, like almost the entire second half. And the, the first, the first drive leading up to the Edelman fumble on no huddle. And then I believe, um, you know, their next two drives looking at the game film today, they were strictly no huddle for, yeah. I would say, I think they might've had three or four drives the whole third quarter and they were no huddle, no huddle, no huddle. So obviously when you do that, you're limiting the personnel groupings you can do. I don't know if that was part of their game plan or maybe just because, you know, they spotted them 17 early. You got to get quick points right. on the board to get back in the game. Uh, but I mean, when they were doing that, it was a one and two possession game. It's kind of unlike the Patriots to go no huddle like that. So that's what I thought was interesting. Um, obviously, like I said, you're, you're limited as a personnel grouping when you yeah. go no huddle. Why well, I do think too, I mean, you, you heard Marlon Humphrey after the game say like, you know, they really didn't have an answer for it. You know, they, you know, the Patriots got into no huddle and they were just, they were struggling to, to keep up with it. And so I think it was something that the Patriots recognized. And although they don't love to do no huddle all the time and they're, but they're good at it. They practice it a lot. And again, like their no huddle is different. Like it's up tempo, but it's, you know, it's get, let's get to the line. Let's kind of survey what's going on. We'll kind of look around and we'll take our time. And about 20 seconds in, we'll snap the ball as opposed to, you know, run right up to the line and snap it again. It's, it's you know, it is a no huddle, but it's kind of more like take your time. But what it does is it doesn't really allow for the Ravens, you know, for the defense to substitute out, you know. And so you're running these packages out there and they have one set package on the field. And that package really isn't, you know, isn't equipped to stop what the Patriots are doing. And so I think that, you know, that's one of those things for me where you look at it and just say, man, like they, they made an adjustment, I think, to what they saw, because you got to remember too, that when you make it, when you make a substitution on offense, you have to give the defense the time 
to make a substitution as well. So it's not like you can snap it while they're in the middle of a substitution. If you bring someone else in, you have to let them be able to bring someone else in as well. So you're not even trying to like, you're not gaining an advantage by pulling people in and out. So the Patriots can stick with one personnel grouping and run a million different plays because that's what they do with everyone. You know, everyone has to know every, every position. Yeah. And, and, you know, I, I thought it was kind of uh, Tom Curran wrote an article today about the Patriots, maybe not showing their full, uh, full bag of tricks or, you yeah. know, their full playbook, I guess. And I, I still don't think they've, they've definitely haven't showed us the full playbook yet. No. I mean, obviously they, they look at the schedule. Um, they saw the first eight games like we did. We're going to win every, every game as long yeah. as we show up. Right. And then you go to a Baltimore and, you know, maybe you try to, to dig into the bag of tricks a little bit, but when you go down 17 early, I mean, how many times you can, I mean, granted they were, they had the chance to get right back in that game, obviously start of the first, the third, third quarter. But, um, you know, when you go down 17 early, it's almost like, Hey, you know, they got us here. I don't want to show anything in terms of, you know, what, what may come back to, to help us in January. Right. I mean, and that could be something why they're, they're, they're going no huddle so much, right. Stick to a personnel grouping. Don't show them much. Let's just try to try to get points here with what we got. And, you know, ultimately, you know, the, the game was kind of out of reach before uh, before the the end of the third. Really, the stupid right. score was a backbreaker. But. And yeah, yeah. But and so Carmina asked on the on the chat, like, you know, was that part of Belichick's game within the game, right? The, making the Ravens prep, you know, f- for that particular thing. And I think what it does is when you put something like that on film, where you can run the same, you know, those same plays with the same personnel grouping, and you can run an up tempo type offense, that puts it on film for everyone else to see. So everyone else sees that you can kind of do everything you want with the same personnel groupings. You don't necessarily have to switch guys in and out. And so that's another thing that they have to prepare for. So although it didn't necessarily help them, you know, this Sunday, it might come back and help them later because now you have to plan for so much more as a defensive coordinator. And so I think that, you know, coming down the road, that could be something that benefits the Patriots because as a, as a defense, you just have to study so much more and be prepared for so much more. Yeah, and and I don't know if you said this to me off air or maybe a couple shows ago, yeah. uh, but how about that second round pick for Mohamed Sanu? That's not doesn't look too too bad now, does it? Okay, second, second time in his career he's had double digit catches. Yeah. He, the last time he had that was I tweeted out the other day, I believe in 2014 right. versus Carolina. Like it was right? an yeah. overtime game, and I think five of his catches came in fourth quarter or <laughs> or in overtime. Yeah, so this guy, I mean, whew. Talk about stepping right in. I, I I wrote the keys to the game, um, and for once I went three for three. Um, number one was Mohamed Sanu's coming out party. I thought that was going to yep. be a good game. I think he was uh, – Mar- Marlon Humphrey was on him for the most part, I think a little bit with Edelman too, but uh, whoever was guarding him, he cooked him. I mean, he went 10 for yeah. – what was it? One something and a touchdown or 10 for 89 and a touchdown. Yeah, I think it was 89, um, yeah. He was, he was all over the field. Brady went to him in key spots. And I think that's a guy that is going to help them down the stretch. And if you look at it and you look at him play, it's, it, it, I, you know, from the naked eye, it's like, oh, is that Josh? It looks like Josh Gordon, like 2014, 2015, dude. even if he yeah. was playing then, but I, who knows? But no, right. They got right, a similar yeah. skill set, similar body. And I think they mm-hmm. looked at that trade and said, hey, this is Josh Gordon, just, uh, with, you know, a step faster and, and, and can do a little bit more than what Gordon was doing at the time. I mean, he stepped in and I think that the role that we saw Sanu play, Sunday night was something they were hoping to get out of Gordon, but obviously they just, they just couldn't get it and they didn't really miss a beat. Obviously people get mad at the Gordon cut and you know, we've talked about it for weeks now, but uh, you know, it's, it sucked to see him go, but they didn't miss a beat with Sanu. He's a a legit receiver and he's going to help them. He he fits our, 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 our scheme perfectly. 
Right. I think the big thing with Sanu is that he's reliable, right? And, and yeah. that's what they paid yeah. for, the reliability. And also, he signed for next year on fairly short money. And so I think that that's those two things right there kind of combined to to say, okay, let's give up, you know, let's give up a second round pick. We got to secure, you know, we got to improve our our receiving core and go from there. So, um, you know, so we'll see. But I don't know if he's spending the bye week with him or not, Carmina. But he might be. You never know. You never know. So, uh, all right. So let's get let's get in. We want to get into our midseason awards. So uh, we are about halfway through. Obviously, they played nine games, nine out of not a nine out of sixteen, but uh, close enough. You know. So we're going to go for some midseason awards. So we're going to start with the. Uh, do you want to start? Let's start with MVP. Why not? Let's let's start with MVP. And uh, I'm going to go here. I'm going to go Jamie Collins here at MVP. The guy's done everything. Uh, he's just, he's done everything they, they've asked him for. He has gone above and beyond and been, I think, dominant, one of the most dominant linebackers in the NFL for a time. And I know he's maybe dropped off a little bit. He didn't have such a good week against Baltimore, but he's just had some of those flash plays where you're like, whoa, like he just, he's made some really great athletic plays. He's given them a lot of, you know, a, a big boost in the, uh, in the linebacking core. And I think for me, you know, it, it's, this defense has been the dominant part of uh, of the team. Now, obviously, they weren't on Sunday, but I think they will continue to be as as we move forward. And so, for me, uh, Jamie Collins is my my uh, mid season MVP. See, I can't disagree with that because um, I'm also going to go on the defensive side of the ball, and it's it's tough to pick. And just because <laughs> you picked Collins, you know, yep. we talked about it before the show. I got to go Stephon Gilmore, just because his numbers are ridiculous. He's allowed 25 receptions in nine games. Um, he's allowing five and a half yards, uh, per target. He's got nine pass breakups, five interceptions, zero touchdowns allowed. This guy's given up 295 yards in nine games. Like I said, um, as lockdown as they come really like, if you look at, I think it's like 36, I'm looking at a PFF right now. Yeah. Around 37 yards per game. And he's, he's facing number one receivers all the time, right? Right. He's just as locked down as they come. Um, physical sticky is on you at all times. Um, he, I don't know where this, I mean, this secondary is very good. I mean, they got a lot of JC Jackson's numbers are ridiculous. Jonathan Jones has done unbelievable in the slot. Jason McCordy, who had a tough night the other night, I think, um, he's been great. So it's hard to yeah. say, you know, this secondary wouldn't be great without him because they have a lot of talent, but I mean, he's the ringleader out there for that secondary, him and McCordy, and, and you don't have to worry about his side of the field when he's on you. Right, right. And that's that's the big thing with him. I mean, I think that uh that Gilmore kind of slots everyone correctly, right? Because Gilmore's the number one. And I think they do have a lot of talent, like you said, but do they have another number one? I don't think so. And so, you know, by him being the number one, it allows Jackson and McCordy to be that number two, three guy and Jonathan. And Jones you get the safety spot, help you know? over top of some of those. Right, guys. right. I'm and interested so to see uh yeah. not to cut you off with but they I know I know they had John Jones on him. On Tyree Kill in the AFC Championship game, yeah. they had to lock him down. Him and crossing with uh, McCordy over the top, right? Um, you know, and Gilmore's on Sammy Watkins, who's probably one of the most overrated receivers in the game. Um, if you look at that matchup, that's 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 going to be shut down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we'll see. We'll see what happens when when the Chiefs come to town. But let's go with uh, with offensive player of the year. I'm gonna have you start, Spags. Uh, go. Yeah, I mean, for me, it's it's hard to um, – the offense hasn't been what we had expected. It's a lot of changing and moving parts, obviously, with the offensive line being really banged up and, uh, you know, a lot of turnover at the receiver position this year, which we haven't really seen in quite some time. So I got to go with my guy, Tom Brady. I mean, the guy's um, – where would this offense be without him? Who knows? Because he's second in the lead in passing right now, which is crazy. Only behind yeah. Phil. I saw that today. 
Um, with that offensive line, he's taken a lot of hits, a lot of pressures. He's been an absolute wizard in the pocket. If you watch his his uh, film, he's he's moving so well. He's avoiding the rush, moving up, moving outside the pocket, making tough throws. Um, I think he's catching a lot of heat when, like I said, he's having a lot of turnover at receiver. The only one he's really got familiarity with from the receiver position is Julian Edelman and Philip Dorsett. Right. Um, and then obviously James White, you know, contributes out of the backfield. He's been great. Um, you know, I, 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 I would hope to see if, you know, when Isaiah Wayne comes back, hopefully after the bye, um, I'm assuming his play will rise even more. And uh, if you saw Brady with Wynn in the lineup the first two weeks, he was pretty, pretty good. People were saying yeah. MVP for him. So right. a lot of his play has fallen off, as I guess you could say, as as the Fox Sports and the Felger and Mazes would say, since they haven't had a left tackle. So. Right. Uh, Tom Brady's my offensive player of the year up to this point. I, I don't think it's uh, much question. I like it. Tough to argue with, but I'm going to argue with it anyways. I'm going to go. I'm going to go with that uh, with Jules Julian Edelman, and I know we had a huge fumble, obviously, uh, you know, last week that really led to the end of that game. But you know, finished with ten catches for 89 yards in that game too. He was he was really for a time the only guy that could get open, the only guy that could really make a play, uh, in my opinion. And so. You know, you look at his stats already this year. He's averaging seven catches a game, 63 catches for 663 yards. So you're looking at, you know, 112 catches for like 1,200 yards or, or you know, 1,100 yards. Be a career career uh, high, I believe. I don't, I think he's only been a th- over 1,000. Uh, yeah, he, he went over 1,000 in 2016 and he went over 1,000 yeah. in 2013 as well. But, Obviously, you know, anything, uh, 1106 is, is, was the total in, in, um, in 2016, as a matter of fact, you know, 105 is his top number of catches in 2013 too. So, you know, 112, it means on pace for, you know, for, uh, for a career high in both receipt receptions and receiving yards. And again, you know, we talked about kind of people in and out and stuff, but he's been that consistent guy for Brady since the beginning where you look at it and say, okay, we know we have jewels every week. You know, we don't know who else is going to be there, but he, you know, he knows that he can rely on Jules and trust him to get to the right spot and do what he needs to do. And so, you know, he's been doing that. And again, he's been doing the little things too, making blocks. It was, you know, he's a great blocker too. So, uh, he, uh, he gets my offensive player of the year at the, at the midway point so far. Yeah. Not much, not much uh, to argue with there. I mean, like I said, the only two consistent guys right now are Brady right. and Edelman, but that's it. Edelman, I'm not uh, gonna struggled with some, a couple drops this year. He did. Yeah. Yeah, it doesn't you know, really help but, my argument. Like I said, him, like you know. I said, you know, he's he's the safety blanket. If yeah. without him, oh, right, that receiving corps would be brutal. So, uh, yeah. I'll let you go for defensive player of the year. All right, defensive player of the year. I'm going to go off the board here. I know uh, MVP. I went Jamie Collins. You went uh, Stefan Gilmore. And defensive player of the year. I'm picking neither of those guys. I'm going with Dante Hightower. And for me, the thing with Hightower is that, and you know, it's similar to what we were talking about with Gilmore, where everything's just kind of slotted incorrectly, right? If if Hightower is not playing, someone else has to play his spot. And then if someone else is playing his spot, then someone else is playing out of position somewhere else. So, you know, it, it kind of just lets everyone kind of be who they are and do what they do. Van Noy is a great example. Van Noy, when he plays in Hightower's spot, doesn't look very good. But when he plays his own spot, he looks really good. And so it's just like he needs to be that guy on the field. And they have a great linebacking court. It's better than it's ever been, I, you know, in the my opinion. Too. I mean, the yeah, and right. Leader on the – I mean, him on the sidelines screaming at the at the defense, at, you know, at the Ravens game is just awesome. that into my veins. Oh, man, that's just veins. so dope. And so, you know, it's one of those things where you just – you know, he seems to be the guy that comes up and makes a lot of plays. And, again, maybe hasn't had some of the, uh, some of the flashy plays. But, you know, but for me – uh, I love it. 
Yeah, I mean, obviously my MVP was Stephon Gilmore, so he'd be my defensive player of the year. Um, but I, I guess 1A, 1B, Jamie Collins, I mean, what he's done is come right. over here and just been absolutely dominant. Uh, his last, you know, two games have been eh, but I mean, like, they've, they've still been very, very good. I thought he had a tough game the other night, but I just think that was that was tough for everybody, the scheme, and they just couldn't right. get it figured out. But right. uh, Collins, Gilmore, you can't go wrong there. Yeah. No, Jeff, Jeff in the chat says uh, Devin McCourty. And I think yeah. actually it's a pretty good one. Uh, you know, yeah, I almost really picked is. him, but he didn't have an interception this week. So I figured, nah, yeah, what's he really <laughs> done lately? You know what I mean? So, um, so, all right, let's go to rookie of the year. And uh, I'm going to let you start because I like, I like your choice uh, yeah. as well. I mean, obviously uh, they haven't had many rookies play. I think just Winovich and Bailey. Uh, we like to have seen, um, you know, Jawan Williams, but loaded uh, secondary. Nikhil Harry's been hurt. I'm going to go Jake Bailey um, just because Ryan Allen, what he did in that Super Bowl was the best punting, um, you know, best punting uh, thing. I can't look for the word right now, but you know what I'm saying? Performance, yes, <laughs> I've ever seen. And they, they went out and drafted a punter. I know his contract was up at the end of the year and, and all that. They went out and drafted a punter in the fifth round and cut arguably the best punter in the league. I know he's a free agent still, but come on, it's Ryan Allen. No, he got picked up. He got picked up this week. Oh, did he really? I didn't yes, see that. He did. He got and, picked up by uh, – I, mean, I don't even remember who it is. But it was week someone nine. that uh, – who the hell was it? Go ahead. Keep going. It was – oh, anyways, it's the Falcons. The Falcons have oh, cut like – he's. He's their sixth punter of the year. Sixth. He's their sixth punter of the year. Jake Bailey um, has been awesome. I know they haven't really got into a field position battle, and and he hasn't punted in the big games that Allen has. I know his holding's been off a little bit, and I think that's yeah. you know contributed a little bit to the kicking and, and Nugent. Uh, Nugent wasn't good, but I, I think some of those kicks didn't were a help. little bit on the hold. Didn't help. Yeah, yeah it definitely didn't help, but – uh, he's got a golden leg, and and like I said, to, to cut Ryan Allen and, and to go with this this kid and to step into those shoes and fill him uh, pretty well, I got to go with Jake Bailey. Yeah. No, it's unbelievable. I mean, you know, it's funny because back when they drafted Ryan Allen and they cut Zoltan Mesco and everyone was pissed, including me, I was pissed that they cut Zoltan. And, you know, and obviously he was right to to, to go with Ryan Allen. And now this year, everyone says, what are you kidding? You cut Ryan Allen? Are you kidding me? Like Ryan Allen was so good in the Super Bowl. And again, it looks like he made the right decision. Now I'm, I'm interested to see. You mentioned the holding thing. I'm inter- interested to see how that goes. Um, but you know, I think I think that you know it, his talent at kicking the ball is undeniable. It's been phenomenal, and so you know, I, I think that they they've definitely made the right call. So uh, as far as rookie of the year, and you mentioned him, Chase Winovich is my pick uh, because for me, he ran Michael Bennett out of town. <laughs> uh, well, that's the thing. I mean, when's the last time? we saw a rookie just instantly get in a rotation like this, Trey you Flowers. know? Uh, yeah, but Trey Flowers was hurt his rookie year. So no, Trey Flowers was his second year. Yeah, man. Trey Flowers was missed Atlanta? his whole. The Atlanta Super Bowl was second Atlanta year? Atlanta was his second year. Wow, he was drafted in 2015. No, wow. so that's the thing. So it's like. Wise rookie year. That's right. That's right. Right. They're so, both out and, of Yeah. And so Wise was kind of like in and out, but like Winovich yep. has been a big part of this offense right. already as a rookie. It just doesn't happen very often with with Belichick coach teams. And so, you know, for him to be getting as many looks as he has been shows you a lot about the type of player he is and what they think of him as a player. And especially with how deep their their defensive line is. And like you said, Bennett didn't even, you know, couldn't even get on the field. And this guy's, you know, getting a ton of playing time. And so I think that, you know, he's really played well and has a lot of upside to him. So, you know, so we'll see where it goes from there. 
the Michigan man. The Michigan mm-hmm, man. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, so, he's been awesome. He's been yeah. awesome. Most surprising. Go ahead, Pat. All right, most surprising to me. I'm going to go off the board a little bit here. Uh, I'm going to go with Ted Karras. And so the reason why I'm going to go with Ted Karras, I know their offensive line has really struggled a lot, but, man, David Andrews, you know, is the glue that holds everything together in there. And, uh, you know, for him to go down, obviously, with the blood clots in his lungs, you know, scary situation. And, you know, and, and hope, you know, he's okay, which is good, but obviously couldn't play this year. And so, you know, you have a guy, Ted Karras, step in, and he's in a rookie con. He's, he's on the last year of his deal. And we just didn't know how it was going to look. And his run blocking has been suspect here and there, but I was really, really, really nervous coming into the year. And even after that first game when his snapping, you know, was so slow getting back to Brady, but he's really tightened it. He's really tightened it up a lot. His snapping has been pretty good. Um, and you know, overall his blocking has been pretty solid. His run, his pass blocking has been very, very good, uh, for the most part. And so, you know, for me, I, I'm, I've been very pleasantly surprised with, with, uh, Ted Karras. Yeah. We talked about it a couple weeks ago. He's kind of been that unsung hero that no one's really talked about. He's been great. And the snapping's been better. Definitely yeah. better since week one. Like you said, run blocking. Eh. I mean, Andrews was great up front. He could right. you know, double team a lot of guys. Um, but he's been good. I mean, like I said, it's not an easy job, no. especially with the no. with the relationship Brady has with Andrews. He's came in and done a fine job. Yeah. For me, I got to go with Jamie Collins. I know uh, that you know that that might not be so surprising to people, but if you can remember the first time around, he was okay, right? I mean, Belichick, you know, I don't think they used him in the ways that kind of fit his skill set, and they didn't really use him to the scheme that you know you know worked him the best if, if that makes sense but he's come in played an unbelievable job one of the most athletic um, right. linebackers around i mean this guy's yeah. chasing down a lot of guys he's been unbelievable uh the pressures uh the tackles force fumbles this guy's been all over the place defensively um if you were to tell me this guy was going to have a year like this coming in i would have been like you're out of your mind well, you know i thought he might have been a rotational guy yeah. they got him kind of late in the free agency um, you know, kind of a prove it year and he's going to get paid in the off season. I don't think it's going to be here, but it's going to be one of those other guys that comes in just past guys. Like, <laughs> they get on that, you know, that prove it deal, they go get paid yep. in the off season. So, uh, he's been awesome and really been leading that, that him and Hightower, that linebacker core. Right. I know I have too, but no, and you're right. And you know what? I think he's played so well that he might actually get paid here. And, you know, I think, I think the surprising thing about it is that we all knew that yeah, me too. And, you know, we all knew the talent that Collins had, right? They drafted him in the second round. We saw it instantly right away. The physical skills were amazing, but he had trouble kind of staying in the script and doing things. And, and so, you know, the Freelance first time around it, yeah. And the first time around, he did do that a little bit Sunday, but uh, like I said, the well, running quarterback that you're running around a little bit. Right. And, you know, the, I think the thing is, too, is that when you look at a guy like Collins, people knew he was going to be good, but they didn't think he was going to be this good. And so, yeah. Um, all right, so let's wrap up the midseason awards. Uh, we're going to go with mis- most disappointing. And Spags, I'll let you start out with most disappointing. Yeah, for me, it's Shaq Mason because uh, that offensive line has obviously taken a beating. And, and, and you know, a lot of it might be just because of the inexperience, right? Karras and, yeah. and Newhouse, they're not. And, and Skarnecki has said they're not working together as a unit, right? right. Um, and and that's, that's what he wants his guys to do. But I just think, you know, uh, on that white, where he got tripped up by Cannon, he was running around all over the place. If you look at the film, he, he's just been off. I mean, I don't think his run yeah. blocking's been great. Um, obviously, he's a little bit banged up right now, so you don't know uh, how much that's affecting him. But after coming off a year like last year and, and getting that big contract extension before last year and playing so well, you expected so much from him. Um, you know, he, he's one of the best guards in the league when he when he's right. playing to the to the best of his ability. But um, coming off last year, def, definitely disappointing year so far for him. 
No, I agree. I agree. And, and you know, the, especially with the way Tooney's played, if you could get Mason playing like he was last year, you'd be he'd be really good up front. And so yeah, let's, hope he can, let's hope he can he can get there uh, after the bye. Uh, my most disappointing is actually a two for uh, a two for one. I'm going to go with Antonio Brown slash Josh Gordon. Uh, both guys, you know, we thought could come in and be big contributors this year, and we were ex- very excited about the passing game, what it was going to look like. And, you know, A.B. just can't keep his goddamn mouth shut. And, you know, and, and unfortunately, Josh Gordon, you know, just I don't think just had it. You know, it wasn't as good as he as he was. I think he's a good player still. He's not elite anymore, in my opinion. And so we'll see what happens out in, um, you know, out in Seattle. But I just I wasn't happy with, with the way he played. And, yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, look, he's still a physical specimen and everything else. He just doesn't have the speed, and, and you know, and he can't can't separate from coverage easily, I don't think, and and really do the things that the Patriots want him to do. And again, Sanu, I think, does a lot of those things, and so that's why Sanu is here and not Gordon. And man, A.B., just shut your freaking mouth, dude. Like, I just – so frustrating. But anyways, so – all right, I want to harp on that. But listen, we have Ben Solak on the line. He is from Bleeding Green Nation. We're going to pull him up on here. We're going to talk a little Pats, Eagles. I know that's not until next week. I know it's the bye week, but we're doing it anyways. So, Ben, here we go. Let's see. Boom, there oh, he is. Look at that studio, man. Jeez. Oh, please. Hardly. <laughs> I just moved in a, a few months ago, so we're still uh, we're still setting things up over here. It's a, a stop-and-go process. What's going oh, on, guys? How you been? Looks good, Good, man. man. How are you? Good. I'm doing well, you. thank God, man. No, I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, of course. Anytime. Of course. You know, we uh, so, some of you guys, listeners that have been out there for a while now may remember Ben from our show. We, he was on the uh, the uh, draft uh, draft preview for us and, uh, you know, works for the Draft Network, but also writes for Bleeding Green Nation, which is the uh, SB Nation version uh, at Philly. So, uh, so we appreciate you guys coming on. And you guys, by the way, the numbers, you know, come out every month. You guys are just killing it over there in Philadelphia. Yeah, it's that's uh, all me. Uh, it has nothing to do with the EP Michael Kist, who's my co-host. He might have you believe that, considering all the work he does. But really, I think it's the uh, it's the draw that I bring. That's it. So, that's it? yeah, we're we're very proud of what we got over there. That's good, man. And you know, your your number one town is the fact that you're so humble, and you know, <laughs> it's just it's great, you know. So. All right, so obviously we're both on our bye. You know, the Patriots and Eagles both on the bye heading into uh, what should be a good matchup next week. I'll tell you what, Philly looked like a few weeks ago that this was going to be an absolute bloodbath coming in. You know, Philly looked terrible. The Patriots were looking great. And, you know, Philly's really turned it around the last few weeks. And, of course, the Patriots had that terrible game against uh, against Baltimore. Obviously, it's a week away, but just kind of early uh, early breakdown, you know, what do you, what do you see here? Yeah, I mean, I appreciate you saying that, but probably Eagles are still bad, you know, like beating up on on, on a bad Bills offense and 30 mile per hour wins and then beating up on a god awful Bears offense at home. You know, it's uh, right. It, 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 you know, the Eagles executed better. Coaching staff made adjustments. They're definitely positive takeaways, but we saw resounding issues in the defensive secondary. Uh, we saw resounding issues at the wide receiver position. Those don't just go away in a week. Uh, you know, and signing Jordan Matthews, getting Jalen Mills back from injury, Avante Maddox back from injury, they help, but they yeah. don't. Again, we're kind of putting band-aids on bleeding wounds here a little bit. So for Philadelphia, it, it, it's the formula now with which they won is being a very heavy running team. They run the ball with a ton of success. They're able to put together these long drives. 
And then uh, being a team that bends but doesn't break in terms of how uh, uh, play some good oh, red zone defense. We're familiar with that. From, from yeah, for sure, right? Yeah, so, so play, yeah. play some good red zone defense, hopefully get you into third and long and then kind of open the floodgates a little bit. So it, it's, you know, I, I wouldn't say I'm ever confident going into a game against the Patriots. I wasn't when the Eagles have been winning games and we're in the Super Bowl. You know, it's New England, it's Belichick. The games the Eagles have won this year have been the games where – whether because of coaching obstinance, Green Bay, or because of uh, offensive limitations, teams could not pass deep down the field to the outside. Yeah. That's not going to be the case uh, against New England, even with a limited wide receiver core, even with Brady being older. I mean, Belichick's not stupid. There's a very clear weakness to this team, uh, and he's not going to avoid it the way the Bears seem to because they didn't trust their quarterback to get down the field the way the Bills couldn't because of the weather. You know, the Eagles have won some situational spots, but against Belichick, you you, you expect your weaknesses to be exploited, and the Eagles have some big ones. So I, I want to get the elephant out of the room here because as a Carson Wentz fantasy owner, I'm, I'm, I'm very disappointed <laughs> in him this year. Yeah. So I want to get your take. I just want to get it out of the way. Did what do you what have you seen from him this year? Because I, I expected you know MVP type season coming off you know obviously Foles them going with Wentz you know proving that he is the franchise right. And he's been off a little bit, like you said. I, I know the limitations, the offense has been very very inconsistent at times. But um, did, did they make the right decision? Is Wentz the guy? Yeah, no, he's a good ball player and he's playing good ball. I mean, the 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 reality with Wentz, you know, we like to talk about quarterbacks got to be able to elevate the players around them, right? There's only so much elevating you can get done. Uh, and eventually, at some point, you put the ball on J.J. Arthega-Whiteside's hands on the goal line in a four-point game, and he drops it. Well, you can't go hand and put it to you – know, you can't go hand it to him yourself. You know, somebody's right. got to be able to make a catch. Zero Zero Wentz. Yeah, Zero Nelson Aguilar. on the Wentz wagon. Right, yeah. Well, the reality with Wentz is um, – what the Foles starting in 2017 did for him, and there was the big Philly Voice article, which is all about is he losing the locker room? And yeah. there's been two straight years now of anonymous quotes about you know the offensive balance and who gets which targets. Carson, more than most quarterbacks in the league, deals with a lot of politics when he's on the field. And you can tell yeah. when he's pushing. He did it against Chicago on a couple of drives where he he wants to get Nelson Aguilar involved. He wants to get him downfield targets. So he gives him a downfield target where he shouldn't. And it's a pretty right. easy explanation. You know, Carson's typically a, a pretty good post-snap processor, but there are times when he forces the football, and it's pretty frequently because, you know, this is my third down guy. This is my deep ball guy, and I, and I got to get Nelson Aguilar's confidence up. And, you know, I've got to, you know, get Alshon in these one-on-one -on -one situations because we know Alshon doesn't like how little he gets targeted on third downs. And so there, he's dealt with a lot of stuff, and the locker room loved Nick Foles. Because for whatever reason, they were able to pull off three wins with Nick Foles and the most important three wins of franchise history, you know? Right. And right. I, I always bring up the fact that halftime of that Falcons game, Keanu Neal jump kicked a football in midair that he should have intercepted. And it landed in Torrey Smith's hands. The Eagles got three points. They end up winning that game by three. Keanu Neal makes that pick. We're not talking about this, you know? Like, if there's right. little things that have huge impacts in football games. You build this whole Nick Foles storyline, and Carson's still recovering from that. It's very hard to be playing an MVP caliber season, go down, and have that entire season hamstrung by your backup winning the Super Bowl. It's really tough psychologically. So he deals with a lot on the field other than just going out there and quarterbacking. Uh, and so you can tell that he's pushing. You can tell he's trying to fit uh, narrative sometimes. At the end of the day, not a throw on the field he can't make. He's a fantastic escape artist who makes regularly makes plays with his legs. So he has all the talent in the world. Uh, he could use a, a healthy receiving core. 
And he could also use, uh, you know, a, a four game stretch where nobody says anything about him and he just gets to play good ball. Welcome to Boston, man. You should listen to our media with well, Tom Brady after what he's accomplished with this. And, that, yeah, yeah. and that's what oh. I was going to say is that you look at, you know, a situation with Jimmy G where, you know, people, and even Jacoby Brissett now is playing well, you know, in Indy and people are like, oh, well, we should have kept Brissett and, you know, right. Jimmy G. And we're like, you, you have Tom Brady. Like, what do you mean? You can't, you and you can't him. fit them under the cap. It's, just, Brissett, I mean, I, it's insane. And so, you know, Brady can push it off because it's Brady and he has accomplished so much and it's Tom Brady. But like for a guy like Carson Wentz, who even though he was the number two pick in the draft and has a ton of hype and and was playing an MVP, MVP caliber season the year he went down, you know, he just, he wasn't, he just hasn't been proven enough. And so, you know, it's one of those things where you just kind of look at it and say, hey, what are you going to do? You know, it, it's frustrating. Yeah, and, he, and he's going to be fine. He's not the problem with this team is what it comes right. down to. You know, after right. the uh, the Minnesota loss and the Dallas loss, there was a solid Philly media push. That you, know, was, you, know, you know Philly's going to rattle off like four, yeah, last, right. five, sneak their way in the playoffs and like blink and they'll be in the divisional round in, in, in a tight game going to the – and possibly going to the NFC <laughs> right. championship game. It's, what, what we, it's what we talk about. They got two games against the Giants, one game against the Redskins, one game against the Dolphins still on the docket. So call yeah. it four wins, you Easy. know, assuming nothing messes around. Now you're yeah. at nine and four. All right, well, you got home Seattle, home Dallas, home New England. Win one of the three, hopefully the Dallas one. And you're ten and six. You're in. Yeah, you're ten and six. And so yeah. either Dallas drops the game or you beat Dallas and you're good. So yeah, Philly, right. who has not been playing well, has been dealing with excessive injuries, has been dealing with locker room nonsense. Not in a bad spot <laughs> to win the division, yeah. which is a weird feeling. So yeah, it, it's it's a curious thing. Right. No, it's a good point. It, it is a good point. So uh, I do think it's I think it's interesting. And you know, I have to say with with um, Wentz getting injured, right? I, I think that you know. That might have been the biggest thing that screwed the Patriots is, is Carson Wentz getting injured in 2017. There is a uh, – not because of Carson Wentz, but the uh, the MVP curse is real, okay? Right. Uh, the MVP of the, of the NFL has not won the Super Bowl since 1999 with Kurt Warner. Uh, you know, when Wentz went down, Brady became the MVP in 2017 because – Wentz couldn't be the MVP because he didn't finish the season. Right. Now, so, we, we like to call know. it Wentz's MVP season because we want to. But the reality is, <laughs> at the time of the Rams game, which if Carson had won that game, it would have helped. Brady was far and wide the favorite. Carson was mm. the only horse in the race. But like Vegas odds, Brady was like minus 200. I mean, Wentz was right. like plus one something. You know what I mean? Like it was still Brady's award to lose. Um, we just call it Carson's 2017 MVP season because he can't prove us wrong. Right. See, there you go. See, good point. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, I, I mean, I'm looking forward to this game. I do think, and listen, I know you talk about how the Eagles, you know, their secondary stinks and defense isn't good or whatever, but you talk about the Bills and the Bears, two of the best defense in the league, right? And you hang 31 on the Bills and you hang 22 on the on the Bears. And I think that, you know, and regardless of what was going on, you know, regardless of, of, of you know, the, ine- the ineptitude of the Bears offense and the Bills offense, you know, I still think that's pretty impressive given the fact that you're playing two two dominant defenses. Yeah, and like I said, man, Jordan Howard, uh, Miles Sanders, and especially the offensive line. Jeff Stalin's the offensive line coach and the running game coordinator here in Philly. Uh, he's been doing his darndest this year, and it's being delivered. Jordan Howard with 17 runs so far this year of 10-plus yards. Eagles have never had uh, – uh, under Doug Peterson, never had a guy with more than 20 of those. Uh, Howard's going to clear that. Pretty handily. Rookie Miles Sanders also playing great ball. Their offensive line, five strong, even with the rookie Andre Mm. Dillard stepping in for Jason Peters. They can do a ton of different things to you. So it's not like 
McVay, you're facing right. wide zone and Shanahan, you run outside zone. Obviously, they build off that. They don't just run that. But Philadelphia runs one of the most variegated rushing attacks in the league. Uh, and they've got the athletes to really stress you out. So the formula there, if you're New England, is well, I've got guys who can man cover like nobody's business. So I'm putting one on your guy to the outside, one the other guy to the outside. I get to load the box against you now. And that's the fear for Philadelphia. You got to yeah. be able to run these, these, these concepts here against seven man boxes, eight man boxes, and even nine man boxes when Philadelphia elects to go two tight ends, which no team does it more so in the league, run 12 personnel in Philadelphia 35% of the time. And so, you know, if yeah. you're going to be, if you're giving us, you know, Stefan Gilmore over here and JC Jackson over here and McCordy over there, and we've got to try to figure out how to win uh, those isolation routes. That's advantage New England because we don't have a receiver who can do it. Right. Uh, and then the, the 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 question for Philadelphia is if if you can't win those matchups, are you going to be able to run the ball so successfully against such heavy boxes to put up a ton of points? Patriots defense really good. Um, we ain't got you know Lamar and three starting running backs back there. You know <laughs> we don't have that caliber of a player. So it's uh it'll be it'll be interesting to see if if the Eagles are able to move the ball on the ground. It's really going to be a sublime performance from Stoutland from that offensive line. Yeah, yeah, that's what I was going to say. Like kind of you, you kind of touched upon it a little bit more, but I guess going a little bit more depth with New England secondary being so good and like you said struggling with the receiving core. I think New England secondary definitely wins that matchup. Um, with with the uh, you know. New England kind of struggled a little bit this this uh, past week, obviously with the rushing attack. I mean, it's it's hard to slow that down if you got Lamar, Mark Ingram, mm-hmm. you know, uh, Gus Edwards just pounding the ball down your throat. What's Philly's game plan kind of going into this game? Because looking at this game before the season, me and Pat talked about it. This was number one on mine just because of the rematch. And I think it's an right. intriguing matchup for New England. I think that it's a tough atmosphere. It's a building where they can struggle and, and the Eagles can can kind of mismatch a little bit and make things difficult for New England. Yeah, so if you're going to run a successful passing game in Philly, it's going to be through your tight ends and your backs. Miles Sanders is probably the best receiver on this team, at least the most explosive one, since Deshaun Jackson went down with injury. And then Zach Ertz and Dallas Goddard are a nightmare. You know, you I don't love hit Goddard, man. I wish he was in New England so yeah, bad. Yeah, I was oh. happy when they picked him. He's been a lot of fun. And the thing is, like, you can only get so many targets to your tight end, too, especially when he's the better blocker of the group. Um, but they still, you know, they find him in the red zone a fair bit. Zach Ertz right. had a nice red zone touchdown as well. These are big bodies. They're tough to deal with. So, yeah, so you you don't typically find athletes of this size with this quickness and, and to be as good of route runners as Ertz and Goddard are. So the question is, how is New England going to match these players and the variety of alignments that they play in, right? So you have Ertz and Goddard flexed out wide. You have them in the slot. You have them in line. Who is going to be following them around the field? Safety, you're going to give them a nickel corner. You're going to give them a linebacker. So the Eagles got to figure out, all right, when we put tight ends here, how are they going to get matched? And then how can we get them open? Because like I said, you know, nobody's winning consistently against Stephon Gilmore on this team. It's not happening, right? Right. So it's going to be through the tight end. And then the screen game, the flat game, and the wheel game from the running backs has been a huge part of the Philadelphia offense. Also involved their tight ends in the the screen game as targets. But the running backs, that's where they get a lot of their targets. Eagles target running backs more than most teams in the league do. And that's a situation where you get a ton of misdirection. You get a ton of flow one way, action another way. It's going to test the Patriots' defensive discipline. Now, Bill Belichick defenses tend to be disciplined. This defense has been very disciplined all year. Um, But obviously, you know, you get two weeks now to sit on that Baltimore tape where Greg Roman's throwing the kitchen sink at you. Linemen going hither and thither, motion with tight ends, multi-back sets. So Philadelphia is going to do a lot in the backfield to try to stretch you out horizontally. Then they're going to try to, to, to win those space matchups. This team loves to hit tight windows in the flats, in the curls, in the hitch routes. 
quick outs, so on and so forth. So that's that passing game plan that you're going to want to try to generate at least some sort of balance on offense with. But, you know, if, if Wentz attempts more than two passes, 15-plus yards down the field, I'll be shocked. Yeah. No, it's interesting. It's an interesting discussion. So, all right, we have two very important questions. Number one, hold on. I'm going to see if I'm gonna see if this works. Right. Oh, see. that's cool. Oh, look at that. So, uh, number one, it's super important question. It's covering your face. It's so important. Uh, can Aguilar <laughs> catch babies? Is this a user submitted question? It is. Yes, a no, this is handy dandy, man. That's awesome. Um, <laughs> yeah. So for those of you who don't know, this is in reference to a uh, young man in Philadelphia who following the loss to Atlanta, which Nelson Aguilar dropped a game winning touchdown. Uh, this man was responding to a, a, a fire in the neighborhood. He was a, a, a friendly neighbor uh, helping out. <laughs> I saw this. Yeah, and uh, they were evacuating children from the building, and he received them and handed them off successfully. And then in uh, an interview after with the news station, uh, he said they were throwing babies out the window, and I was catching them. And then he turned to the camera, and he said, unlike Aguilar and all of his mishaps, and it was very funny. Um, oh, Aguilar not only cannot catch this year, which has been a recurring issue, what has been his saving grace route running has diminished. Uh, long speed yeah. is in evident and, and they desperately need that deep threat with the lack of Deshaun Jackson. He's sorely lacking for physicality down the field. He attempts to draw pass interference with every single target. He simply is no longer interested in finding and addressing the football. And I don't blame him because He's not very successful at that, so he's just trying to draw flags. He, The fact that he still gets starting reps when the Eagles have a second-round rookie receiver who they don't play is, frankly, galling uh, and quite surprising from the coaching staff. Yeah. No, it's, it's great. That's, mm -hmm. I mean, agreed. So, all right, one more, and this is this is an actual one. So, let's see. Let's see if we can cover your face again. Boom. Do you think Deshaun Jackson will play another snap with the Eagles? Yeah, I mean, he's not cuttable on his contract next year. And the reality is that, like, Deshaun's been missing a few games for the past few seasons. Uh, now, he was doing that under other medical staffs, which, like, Washington's medical staff is not anything to write home about. But Philadelphia's right. medical staff Clearly. has been – Yeah, Philadelphia's medical staff has been a big issue for them in the last two years. They fired their entire medical staff after the Super Bowl win, brought in a new group, and they've been bad. Uh, yeah. Soft tissue injuries have been a huge issue for them, none more so than Jackson, who at the time of his initial abdominal tear was recommended to get surgery. They could not get Jackson on board with surgery. He ends up thinking what's going to be a three-week rehab became a six-week rehab. In the first game he comes back, he worsens the tear, and now he's got to get surgery and he's out for the season. This right. is the stuff you need to be able to handle as a medical staff. They lost unnecessary games of Jackson, who could have been an IR designated to return candidate, been back for the backstretch of this regular season, potentially for the playoffs, if they had correctly gotten him under the knife as they needed to when he initially got injured. So right. you you and and, and you know, Jalen Mills was a similar situation. Sidney Jones has never been able to get healthy. Corey Clement, Darren Sproles, they're continually getting injuries, not to mention the whole Carson Wentz manso last year. So the medical at least it's bad. not as bad as the uh, as the Jets or, or Washington, as, as you right. said. And that's the thing. It's like <laughs> the Eagles have the advantage of not playing on FedEx field, which is huge. But the, they they were uh, the second most unlucky team last year in terms of injuries and games lost. And they're probably going to be very low again this year as well. Just on a large part of that. But he'll, he'll be back on the team for sure uh, in 2020. He's not cuttable until after that season. Well, there you go. All right. So you haven't seen the, the last of Sean Jackson then in an Eagles uniform. D Jacks. Right. All right. So I think it's all we got, man. I think it's all we got for you. Before you leave, though, 
you got to plug yourself a little bit, plug your show, whatever, you know, whatever you got going on over there. I know you got a lot of stuff going on. Yeah, no, I appreciate that. It's, uh, yeah, it's at Benjamin Solak. Solak is S-O-L-A-K on Twitter. And yeah, Bleeding Green and BGN Radio are the spots for Eagles written and audio coverage. And we do, you know, uh, next week we'll do our two previews, Eagles offense against Patriots defense. Patriots offense against Eagles defense, and that's where we give our X's and O's perspective. That's me and my uh, co-host, Michael Kist. Uh, and those are fun shows. They're from the Eagles perspective, but they're from a good time, so we like what we do there. And then um, also Draft Network is the spot for all the draft work. I got the hat on today. Um, and Yeah, and that may not be something you're worried about right now, but when it comes down the road, I Draft Network LLC is the Twitter handle. Shoot us a follow. We get all the draft coverage for you. Those are my spots. I freaking love Draft Network. You guys we have a good time, a- man. Oh, my Lord. You guys yeah, just I like the uh, I like the Joe Barrow pick recently in your mock draft and number one. Yeah, oh, number one overall. I, I mean, we got a good game coming up on Saturday, brother. Yeah, Battle yeah. for QB one. It's gonna be a blast. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. So it should be fun. All right. Well, thank you, and thank you guys for uh, for watching slash listening. If you're listening to the podcast on Friday, we appreciate it, and uh, and we will talk to you next week. All right. Thanks, fellas. No problem. Let's hit the button. There we go.